Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk More Movies, the show where we try and talk about movies, but never talk about anything and everything else. I am your host, Michael Breslin. To my left is... My night stalker, Richard Ramirez. Shan Coyne. <laughs> <laughs> also to my left... Gable Byrne. No, Colin Byrne. <laughs> Colin Byrne. And to my right... Kiva Sweeney. Oi. She's back. <laughs> She's back, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I like... Oh. You mixed up my butt there? Did I? Hi. Hi. What's up, everybody? No, you mixed it up just in general for your for your start. I I kind of felt that, but I didn't realize what it is. I like it. I like it. Uh, off the cuff. It's freestyling. <laughs> it's just yeah. that going into a coma thing again. <laughs> Let that poor man bust around. You just go on the other fucking podcast, trans, when you start this, eh? Push the button there. What is this? What, this button. What's this? This button. You always have these gadgets every week? Oh, that's 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 <laughs> sounds and looks awfully like a fucking lightsaber. <laughs> if, and if, knowing if you, hear, you, it's probably as a lightsaber. <laughs> if you hear just a small hum in the background of the entire episode, it's just my lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> or my farts. <laughs> like a vast array of weapons all of a sudden. Right enough, that is fucking probably from Argos and can do much damage to anybody. Uh, you have a Rambo knife? I have a Rambo knife. The funny thing about this lightsaber is that it had to be assembled. And the only screwdriver I have in this household is a sonic screwdriver. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to say the words to Jill. Jill, where's my sonic screwdriver to put together my lightsaber? <laughs> yeah, pop culture horror. I know. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it's like the other day as well. I took off one Star Wars t-shirt to put on another Star Wars t-shirt. And I was like, do I own too many Star Wars t-shirts? <laughs> Please tell me as well that this Star Wars t-shirt you're wearing right now is not one of those two. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's somewhere, somebody in a forum... That has said that before. <laughs> I say it all the fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> like a lightsaber and a sonic screwdriver. So pff, I say it every day. I love as well. It's a very domesticated lightsaber. You've got a, a remote for your lightsaber. And you can change colors. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> do it again. Do it again. I one more, one more time. You, I don't know if you can pick it up. Sound like yeah. Just sounds like a wee like one, yeah. You should just turn out the rest of the lights. Uh, we've done that once and fucking scared the shit out of ourselves because yeah. it, it gets really, really Eerie. intense on here when it's dark and dirty. It's, <laughs> we called it less. <laughs> we called it less hot more movies after dark. <gasps> Shan got a wee tight, he was uncomfortable. I'm not single. It's inappropriate. It was off hearing as well. Like, so <laughs> but is that uh, not like the lights sorry, out Shane. rule? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Like, light touch. touch. Yeah. <laughs> all gloves are off, almost literally at times. I <laughs> had a hand on the knee and I was all, I asked up a ladder, they fuck. He literally slapped my hand. Danger Bob. 
Yours this week, Michael. What is it? Um, okay, I was Danger Bottle this week. <laughs> and by me, I mean Jill. <laughs> ah, it's always Jelly by it's, it's, it's because Jill, she's always really indie getting a Danger Bottle for some reason. One thing I'll say before you reveal the bottle to the launch is that she has a cracking form when it comes to Danger mm. Bottles. Okay. Well, this week's Danger Bottle is... Drum roll, please. please. Used to be a drummer. Oh, that's pretty good. Oddka. Oddka? <laughs> Why is there an upside down man with a mustache on it? Because it's, it's, it's odd. Ah, how, how kooky. It's salty caramel popcorn flavor. <gasps> oh, that sounds no, awful. That sounds class. I hate salted caramel. Oh. Um, Are you sure it's not a flavor for a fucking cup of cappuccino or something? <laughs> yeah, no, that's what it looks like. Though. It's uh, it's 20% volume. Oh. Speaking my language now. Respectable. And uh, there's no other information on it. <laughs> that's because uh, it's too odd. Oh, man. wait, wait, wait. Looks for, hot. Let's recall, Mike. For a blockbuster taste. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. Follow related. Nice pun. I wanted to recreate the flavor of the movies, but film tape doesn't taste as nice as this. <laughs> <laughs> so cheers to popcorn, caramel, candy, and sea salt. Who's he? Who is this guy? It's Mr. just one man. Oh, wait. Odka by Waiborowa. Ah, that boy. <laughs> Can you tell I'm wild good at reading? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, um, what about you? Give okay, it a go there, Mike. I'll crack this up. Did you pass your 11 plus, Mike? Yeah. <laughs> he was a mathlete. Dare you ask that? I hear, I hear a nerd, I hear it's the word. Uh, Couldn't oh, read proper smell, It proper smells like caramel popcorn as well. Um. Give it a go. Oh, I'm so excited. Drink <laughs> it. I heard that go down your throat. Mm. That's fucking lovely. Is it? <laughs> oh, I wasn't sure there for a minute. But it's actually so dangerous <laughs> because I'd it's twenty percent. So. Far too easy to drink. Mike just shed a tear between his legs. <laughs> <laughs> it moved. <laughs> <laughs> the cage is open, but the beast nice. <laughs> you better watch yourself. Night stalkers on your case. Mike, Mike's gonna get a retouch on his face. <laughs> No, she moved that chair over there. Eh? Your thoughts? I, I don't want to hype it up, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Shan doesn't like it. Oh, Jesus, Mickey! That's nah. beautiful. That's fucking nah. lovely. That's fucking. Take a fucking water. gentleman sip. Yeah, Aye, don't, don't take a fucking glance. <laughs> 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 you fucking fiend. But that's all I know. Right, right here. Take a K- gentleman Kiva sup. could tie this whole thing up. Oh, she doesn't look sure. It's. Oh, oh yes, thanks, Kiva. I think it tastes really good. I do like salted caramel, and it does taste like salted caramel, but like. Mm, I'm still <laughs> gonna drink all of it. Like, <laughs> the bottle is cool. Sip. I know, it's a pretty sweet bottle, isn't it? Shan, Shan's gonna attach the gentleman lips. I'm I don't know. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, Mikey's on. That's a ball gone there. Like. That's a tasty sadder. <laughs> Are you having another sub? I'm going to have a gentleman's sub here. Why, what did you do last time? He fucking t- it. He tongued the shit out of you. I thought it was like a lot here. He fucking drowned his Heron, tongue. Heron has that effect on people, you know what I mean? No, it's still rotten. It's still <laughs> rotten. <laughs> I don't know why you thought... That I don't it's think it's going to make a difference. It's like drinking liquid pretzels. That's what I was like. It's fucking You disgusting. love pretzels. I love pretzels. <laughs> I don't really drink them. <laughs> They are actually my favourite snack. Like sweet popcorn. Mm. When you Good get friendship yeah, call. That's, that's, that's kind of my thing. Like, me say if that was like ice cream, non-alcoholic, I'd be like, oh, this tastes amazing. But I, I don't know if I, you don't I want attach al- things to taste, to taste like that. You know, because I'm going to be eating ice cream, getting like 
inadvertently like pretend drunk. <laughs> like Heron yeah. said before, it's like drinking a 10p mix. It really is like. Honestly, but I that's a dangerous bottle of fucking alcohol. Isn't yeah, it? isn't it? It tastes like eating sweets. <laughs> you got a wee hang in the back of my throat. Oh, fuck, that must be alcohol. Aye, there but is a wee alcohol kick yeah. at the end. Like. But it's sweet as fuck, which means it's packed with sugar, which means mm. you would have a fucking blender. That's like out there. That's like well, a fucking... See, in a bottle out there, you'd Hearn. have a fucking blender. Hern, let's find out. <laughs> <laughs> Neck it, it. it. That's what we're all about. Try that's, it. Test it. <laughs> that's my currency. <laughs> that's my currency. <laughs> I love as well that Houston, we don't have a problem. After I talk about two subs of that ocular, I had to wash it down with a uh, mega lens, which is <laughs> not great. Like, uh, <laughs> good job, Jill. Lens. Good job. I know, fairness, Jill. She's she's Bleach maintained the form fruit. of she's maintained the form of having. Nah, it's just awful. <laughs> it's actually like just in, so bad. Interesting danger bottle. Interesting well, danger bottle. Well, it's always it's a polarizing danger bottle. It's mm. polar, and that's what mm-hmm. you want from from a danger yeah, bottle. You don't yeah. just want everybody yeah. like it. Exactly. It's fuck. Yeah, not everybody likes bog fast. Not everyone They're likes wrong, danger, but they don't like it. Exactly. <laughs> you don't <laughs> have taste. It's it's like a good film. You don't want everybody to like it. Yep. Now who's the hamster? But see if you ever make a film, the market a good film to me is half the audience quite shit and half the audience goes that's amazing. Really? As opposed to a good film being everybody likes? Yep. Does that exist? As their own. Shawshank Redemption. Con Air. There's a film everybody likes. What have we watched this week, folks? Uh, I watched one of my favourite films. Rewatched it this week. Uh, McCabe and Mrs. Muller. Robert Altman. What a fucking beauty. 1971. Uh, She is a beauty. What's essentially what it is, it is about McCabe and Mrs. Muller. Who would have thought? Uh, it's Warren Beatty. It is Julie Christie. It is about uh, this guy called McCabe who goes to this kind of wee frontier town up in the northwest uh, and basically just becomes a businessman and he kind of takes over the town, not in any sort of tyrannical way. He just, he's got a lot of money and he's helping build it up. Northwest America? Mm-hmm. Right. Northwest America. This is uh, this is a point I'm going to touch on <laughs> soon. A, a businessman or a businessman? Oh, he be in this. <laughs> he all be in this. Oh, he all be in <laughs> But then uh, he's building this brothel, hires some prostitutes. Obviously, you need those for a brothel. And uh, Julie Christie is like the head one. She's like the, the Dan Muller or whatever. And they start this kind of really subtle wee relationship. Like you can tell that she likes him, but she doesn't want to give herself over to him because she's a prostitute and she's really more on for the money. Then a couple of guys from this mining company come and try and age in on his fucking profit and he, out of his own arrogance he tells him to fuck off basically so then they send some hitmen up they kill him and then that kind of then concludes the film will not spoil it the reason it's amazing is because it's always been classed as like the anti-western it's it's the classic revisionist western which is another term for a deconstruction oh, <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> I'm not going to deconstruction because we've talked about it so much what but is a deconstruction no, <laughs> oh, I can see Mickey's on that lightsaber there <laughs> Threat, you're in the red. The <laughs> Any, anytime Mickey changes the color in the lightsaber, that means we have to shut the fuck up. <laughs> finish our topics. Over the line! <laughs> Over the line! It's now whirling three colors as I speak. <laughs> but uh, Robert Altman, obviously, he was a, a maverick in the 70s and stuff like that, and he was always seen as being kind of anti Hollywood. Even though he dabbled in genre, he always deconstructed every genre that he'd done. I mean, like the Long Goodbye is like a deconstruction of Fall the War. This is obviously a deconstruction of the Western McCabe and Mrs. Muller. And the reason it's so good is because it, it downplays and subverts every single cliche that there is. First of all, it's not the sort of Western film that you're used to. It's not the sunny deserts of Arizona. It's not John Ford looking. It is set in the cold, snow-capped Northwest, up around like Washington and stuff like that. So already, it doesn't have the look of a Western. 
Uh, also, the main character is not John Wayne. It actually reminded me, rewatching it this week, of Slow West a lot, which I talked about. Obviously, yeah. I think it was a big influence on Slow West that had to be. Even though there's like a spit of like revisionist westerns. But the hero, if you could call him that, McCabe, is not a John Wayne character. He's this kind of bumbling guy. He has cocksure. He's a bit arrogant, but he talks to himself. He's unsure. And when the guys come, they actually kill him. He's, he's shitting himself. He's hiding from him. So he's not like, it's not like high noon, you know, meeting the fucking bad cowboy and fucking shooting him dead and being really triumphant and heroic and all that. It presents a very, very real character. And the reason that it's so kind of lauded is the fact that it shows, it's probably the most honest depiction because stacks of research went on it of what this time of the world was. It's set in like 1903 or 1904 as well. So obviously it's trying to give that message that it is very much at the end of that sort of frontier lifestyle when that, that sort of cowboy era was dying out. It's a crack and shoot. One of those beautiful films I've ever seen too. There's obviously a, a shootout that I mentioned before at the end. I'll not spoil what happens. But it's uh, it, it's shot in the snow with them kind of desperately try, trying to get through the snow and like kind of have a poverty charm it just looks fucking absolutely amazing mm. but I, it's a fucking astounding film um and it, it does it's something i've talked about before is allegory it, it does have a you know i think it's just as an allegory about it's one of the american dream films really because i think just after that period in, in history that's when the phrase came out that you know it's the land of opportunity it, w- it was after just after that period where you know foundations of business and government and this kind of stuff were happening but it's based on stories like the McCabe yeah. and Mrs. Miller story is like a guy walked up into the frontier he just happened to have money you don't know where he got the money but he built a fucking town and literally says yeah I'm building this town from the ground up like uh, what's what it, obviously that term as well is like manifest destiny it's that old like kind of it's that old thing about the American dream that manifest destiny essentially means, you know, build online when you've got it, you know, always expand, always try to be bigger, you know, always try to grow whatever you've got, especially if you have money, which McCabe does. And it's looking at that, but then it's also sort of skewering it as well, because that is always kind of presented as being really triumphant and really heroic and like, you know, John Ford Westerns and standard Westerns that mm. you fucking see on Channel 5 at 2 o'clock in the evening. But this is kind of looking at that time period in a more realistic way and the fact that, yeah. you know, was that a good idea? It was just men who were completely overcome with greed. Obviously, the hitmen that come to can try and kill McCabe have been sent by this mining company who are just the epitome of greed and as well are supposed to represent like capitalism, essentially. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? So it's I think it's it's looking at the American dream and it's not saying the American dream's a bad thing, but it's definitely kinda of taking a more nuanced or realistic look mm. at it, I would I would say. Uh, and I mean at the very start, I mean, uh, Warren Beatty comes into that bar at the start and he plays cards and it's very obvious. I mean it's actually it's down to the way uh Robert Altman does his sound design too. Yep, overlapping dialogue, that's what he's famous for. Well there there's overlapping dialogue, but there's also Robert Altman uh he plants I mean, a lot of times you would plant like 15 or 20 mics in a scene yep. so that he can deliberately, it doesn't matter uh, if you're, your camera's on one character and it's a wide shot, mm-hmm. he would have, say if the camera's moving left and you can see someone in the background, he would raise the sound of those characters because he would raise that mic so you can hear what they're talking about, about him. And then he, he pans left again, you can you can raise these guys, he put put the, guys down, the, the sound of those guys down and raise the next guy. And raise the whole thing. He do, he does it in all of his films, but it just gives you a sense of. I mean, you're with the main character, but you you have a keyhole into that. You, you you have more information than the main character because you know what everybody else thinks about him. But the thing with Warren Beatty's character is that he knows what they're saying about them already, yeah. so it doesn't really matter. It's just the. So in that sense, it's sort of like the audience knows what Warren Beatty already assumes. Yeah. In a way, but the best thing about that we. Uh, small thing is that 
the town essentially becomes America. Mm-hmm. It's like a wee small town that they just small town America. Yeah. They took over, they colonized, and then it's this kind of thing of you know the small businessman essentially just being sold out, and then he says "fuck you," and you know that's I mean that's it's such a me- metaphor of of the history of the West and the history of America, oh, the, re- the real history of the West and the real history of America. You know? And how it was built up. Obviously, you were chat there now, but like Altman and, and the thing that he was really known for and, and why he was so innovative is because he, he basically kind of created this technique of like you were saying multi shooting and overlapping dialogue so you would have stacks of mics and stacks of cameras on one scene and he was a big proponent of actors improvising i mean there was this kind of old saying that you know if you have a robert altman script just chuck it out because he can't expect you to think in the moment because he wanted to capture you know obviously like directors like cassavetes actual human emotion actual reactions he didn't want it to be scripted he didn't want it to feel staged and the reason that he said in an interview i think it might have been inside the actor's studio i can't quite remember what it was but he said the reason that he wanted all this overlapping dialogue is because that's how people actually sound. He said he got really fucked off when he would watch the kind of standard theatrical films and he just couldn't buy into the world because of the dialogue alone, never mind like the kind of over-the-top action sequences or whatever it was that he was watching. Mm-hmm. But, it, I mean, like it, it does come through. And even in those scenes you're talking about with Warren Beatty at the start, or Beatty, I say, uh, is when all, the Beatty, yeah. uh, when all the guys are just sitting about and playing cards and, and all the rest of it, Nothing's happening. It's just a bunch of boys sitting about a table and I playing mean, cards. But um, it draws you in because it, it does seem so realistic and because uh, it seems so realistic at that time period, it's like you're watching fucking historical footage, uh, you know what I mean? And it's his point with that was that he wanted it to be slow burning because he wanted to reflect how life in the West really was back then. It wasn't all fucking rooting tooting mm. and gun shooting and all that crack, you know what I mean? Rooting <laughs> and gun shooting. That's the title. But uh, but you know he d- didn't want that like uh, another thing as well is what's interesting about that is that the character, the Warren Betty character, <coughs> comes in and he and he he's not he's not this big guy that yeah. he's sort of selling himself as. He's not John Wayne, no. No, he's not. But hates milk. But <laughs> what 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 that sound design of of drifting between the people in the bar creates is you find out that that's what they generally think of him. Yeah. And if if they think that of him. And essentially, in this small group of people, that's what he is. Oh, I, of course, because that, so that's all. That's all that matters because it's, it's, it is such a time. Uh, it's that only community. when these big guys come in later that you realize no, he's not. He's this revealed as being almost like a almost like a coward. What Heron's talking about as well is throughout the film, there's this rumor going about about McCabe among the townsfolk yeah. that he uh, shot a man dead over a poker game. And then it's kind of revealed that he didn't actually, but the rest of the town believes he did. So they're kind of afraid of him and they respect so him in some sort of strange way. I mean, it's it's the. It's the best uh, sort of, you know, in that film, it's the best way of showing you. It's the same way, like, in, in Unforgiven, when they keep telling the story about William Money and all, and mm-hmm. the stories get developed and developed, and they, they get ever more away from what the real story was. But uh, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, it's, you know, he knows that story, and he knows it's been developed and passed on and Chinese whispers and this kind mm-hmm. of thing, and he knows that as soon as he comes in and he mentions his name and whatever, it's just the whole bar is going to go with this happen, this happen, this happen. And then even even in that fucking bar, throwing a snowball into the fucking mountain, people go, no, but I heard this. By the time you get from one end, one end of the bar to the other, the story's already developed. And uh, exactly. Know, I heard this. So it is like that classic he, thing. He uses that to become oh, this I, position of power. It's fucking, it's brilliant. Like, but that, that's, how, that's how people work back in them days. Like, you know. How good is it that you can have a Western that draws you in and engages you, not through, you know, Shootouts and written not and gun shit, and not through like fucking. I was about to say horses. Why are horses engaging? But like it engages you, you through actual <laughs> engage you through actual dialogue and just this sort of idea of what this man is. And it's way more interesting to watch 
a town being completely taken over by one man based on one rumour and how he kind of uses it as opposed to watching a shootout that you've probably seen thousands of times before. You know what I mean? Although, saying that, the shootout at the end is one of the greatest shootouts in Western history. Like, uh, McCabe Mismodge, even to wrap it up, uh, was a nice quote by Roger Ebert, and he said that Robert Altman has done a lot of amazing films in his career, but McCabe Mismodge was the only perfect one. That's his masterpiece. And that's his masterpiece, in my opinion, too. So yeah. definitely, even though we're not doing recommendations yet, give it a go. Kiva, what did you watch this week? <laughs> I watched Rounders. Ooh. Ah. It's ah, pretty nice. good. Um, with Matt Damon and Edward Norton. Yep. I don't know what year. I think it was directed by John Dahl. John Dahl, 93. 98. Yeah. Uh, Matt Damon would have been about fucking... 1993. Uh, he looked about 10 in the film. He's like, blonde hair. Oh, does he blue eyes at all? He looks very cute. And he was like, like so, Rounders, he's like a addicted to like high stakes poker, but kind of gives it up after a big loss to John Malkovich. Oh, I don't know the character's name. Teddy he's like Russian. KGB. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Teddy KGB's but he's, fucking amazing. He's like a proper caricature in the film. He's no, like, he's, oh, he is so, that's so funny. Funny. I mean, you don't like stereotypes or caricatures, but he plays it so ridiculous and so hammy <laughs> that you can do nothing but enjoy like character. And this wee red tracks it though. Give me my fucking money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm eating his Oreos. <laughs> oh, no. But the Oreos are on the wee like Aye, poker wee chip, chip tray. I'm like, Aye. that's sweet. But they're oh. a bit too big to fit in perfectly. It annoyed me. I do wonder what the place <laughs> is for films though, like like Rounders. It's those. It's a, It's an nice Saturday night film, isn't it? Oh, mm. that's a, that's a classic hangover uh, film. Like, because uh, ev- everything's really enjoyable about it. The acting's good. The plot is about one note, but it's still engaging. But there's nothing special about it. I think if it wasn't Matt Damon, and especially Edward Norton, who's one of my favorite actors. And oh, he's he was re- amazing. He's a it? really smart movie bastard, yeah. and that's the you get the best Norton when he's been a smart movie bastard. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> I think without those actors, it wouldn't have been anywhere near the same film. You know no, what I mean? No I think way. they're just so good with is each other. Is it Ed Norton's just out of prison or Matt Damon's just out Ed, of prison? Ed Norton's just out of prison. He's called like Worm. Worm. And, but he's like betting boys in prison <laughs> for cigarettes. And then he wins on he wins all the fags. And they're like, oh, you, don't be lousy. You don't even smoke. And he's all, well, you can just trade them like later. <laughs> and then he gets released then and there. They're like, what? And then he just chucks the fags in the bun. <laughs> what an <laughs> asshole! See, there's always a thing. There's a lot to be said as well for how you establish a character in the first scene. So much rides on that, like how you get a character. Obviously, the famous one is like in the third man when High Lane, even though you think he's dead the whole way through the film, steps out of the wee fucking dark alleyway. He's just got this wee smirk on his face. But that was a cracking opening scene for Edward Norton because him. Uh, obviously fucking gambling with cigarettes in prison with those other fucking prisoners tells you everything you need to know about his character yeah. that he is an absolute worm like his fucking name says and even though he's literally getting released from prison then and there and he doesn't need those cigarettes he can easily give them to those other prisoners who he's probably spent a couple of yeah. months with he still takes them and then yeah, you find right. out later that he's kind of like basically the, for him prison was just like another like we oh, it's a way to scam people network yeah, like exactly does it. just a way to scam people but uh, to go back to what Harem is saying about like it's like a wee Saturday night watch or something. Do you not think them kind of films anyway, like kind of poker or just kind of casino based games films that they are kind of they're never really kind of big mad ones or anything. They they're just always kind of on that wee level of like it, uh, it's just just kind of nice. It's, like, it's, you know it's always watching. a risk. I mean, it's that thing of like uh, what do you call it when we uh, what do you call it from Fifty Dead Men Walking. Um, oh, Sturges. It's 20, 20, oh, 21 Eye with Kevin Spizzy. 21 I mean, it's like it's that kind of thing. Like, you know, there's a wee fucking caper in there and all this jazz. Aye, but it, it it never really 
It always just stays where it's it is. Sort of Kanan. safe enough. Like it's a very know, easy narrative. Just I think I think aye. it's the same as what I was saying last week. It's like heist films. Heist films can be a very easy narrative. The best ones are when you get the characters right. Mm. And I think that Rounders are slightly elevated above those other sort of capers because it's two great characters, and then obviously that's kind of heightened by two really good performances as they, well. Yeah, they and they they act well in the scenes that they're together, especially stood out for me is when they're they're first kind of like hustling people yeah. to get you know when worms released from prison like, Aye, they instantly just start it's uh, it's just like breathing to them Aye, you know it's so nature, easy like, but them two actors like seemed like they knew each other for years do Aye. you know what i mean mm. Aye, well that gives you the whole history of the characters as well just that they can just click right yeah. back and they like a wee no like game or whatever pre-prep talk or nothing Aye. just like one thing mm. that i don't like about rounders and it is a slight spoiler so if you haven't seen it switch it off but uh, is that don't oh, d- uh, don't switch off? <laughs> <laughs> it's take your headphones out for ten seconds. Go <laughs> bang for this now. Uh, it's that Elmer Norton's character is never resolved. He just sort of disappears towards yeah. the end, and they don't they don't wrap it up at all. And I thought that was always just kind of lazier. Maybe it was a I wouldn't say bad writing, but just lazy writing because he, for me he's the more interesting character. He's more interesting than Matt Damon. But I would have wanted to watch his film. Yeah, exactly. If you know what I mean. But, but then what, he what, just kind of vanishes. But would you not say that's more, that's Matt Damon's character just leaving him behind? Like, he doesn't want to know what happens with him, I do of? think it's leaving him behind, but it's just how it's handled. Is it not that the last time he speaks to him is over a phone? You don't even get this big kind of final scene between them, you know what I mean? It just, it doesn't really have the punch, I think. Or, it or, yeah. or maybe it's like, like, I don't know, I don't know, but maybe it's, is it intentional that that they're leaving this on? Is this like, kind of one of those unchangeable he's going to be like that he's always said this well, is how I love I have no like actually ethos in that kind of sense they were on about doing a sequel to Rounders were they? Like, no I actually think they did <laughs> maybe it was a I sequel I actually hooker. think they did but I don't think no, but those th- people th- were like th- this was like not so long ago I heard like Ed no, Norton right, and Matt though. Damon were up for it like, but I, would I, don't that, I, I don't think I, anything really came of it I think no, I seen on IMDb's it did say Rounders 2, but it had no picture, so it could be pre-production. Yeah, like really, really. Like one of them ones in a script might be just bouncing about, but fuck all's happening with. I'm interested enough in those two characters that I would watch, especially to see them 20 years on. Like, because, I mean, Rounders, as it's in 1998, it's kind of pre all the technology we have now, and I'd be interested to see how their kind of schemes would pan out in the modern world, you know what I mean? Or uh, like Ed Norton's just on fucking online poker and all that <laughs> shit. <laughs> He's on chat roulette, just... <laughs> But if they did do a sequel as well, you you could flip it so that Ed Norton's the main character and he's kind of catching up with Matt Damon kind of thing. Like mm. obviously Matt Damon's left his successful world at this point, straight out of law school, straight out of law school, <laughs> Matt Damon. And so uh, you're following his character and like what's going on with him, and then maybe he has to give up the life. But he never but did, will. At the Let's end, did he not <laughs> contact the studios? Did he not just like go to Vegas at the end? He do, I can't remember where he goes, but he just does disappear. Are you, about, are you obviously on about Edward Norton's character? No, I'm like, no, I don't Matt think he went back to law school. No, does he not go back to law school and fucking start his career? So. I can't remember. I can't remember. I never no, sure. I don't want to watch like, it. Really. I was going to say that because you were talking about it. I was like, no, definitely don't. Think. I think he has, you drinking during he has inspiration from like this like old judge guy yeah, who was supposed to be like, I don't know, what do you call like a Jewish priest? A rabbi? A, he was supposed to be a rabbi. Like has, uh, but be decided not to become one against the wishes of his family. So then that kind of inspired Matt Damon to sack being a lawyer and just play poker because that's what he really wanted. Oh fuck! I, I actually you, remember. I, 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 f- I forgot about his wee mentor boy, but that that scene when he's when he, 
as we meant our boy. I know. I'm saying, is we ever hang that? Rabbi Michael, is, come on. Is wanna be no, rabbi? No, he wasn't a rabbi. He was like sorry, a he lawyer was a or something. Yeah. He, he sounds like a wee friendly. He just keeps in his pocket. Is we meant our boy? Just we fucking Jiminy Cricket. What do I do? Jiminy Cricket only who gives you money. He's a wee tiny mice. Stop being a wanker. We meant our boy. As we meant our boy. That's why he walks out when he went. That's how you walks out when he fucking wants shit to go down. Like. <laughs> no, but that scene kind of when you first see him with him and he has all his old buddies around playing poker and then just Matt Damon's all, yeah, he's got this, he's got this. He's got this. It's just like, how the fuck? <laughs> like, when they do shit like an air in the films, you actually think like, can a person can actually do that kind of shit? Like, well, I mean, like obviously there is because there's fucking like card counters and like, card charts and card counters. I mean, like even look at Darren Brown, the fucking illusionist. He's banned from every fucking casino in, in the UK because he's an expert card counter. He could go on the casino and wipe it clean. Technically, card counting isn't illegal though, isn't it? No, it's, it's, it's not. Just, it's just playing the game really well. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can't. No, no, but casinos fuck you out for it. They're, they're oh, aye, they right. fuck aye. you out, but it's they can't it's not, it's not call illegal, cops. No, and yeah, it's like, not a crime, but they do. It's they not do. illegal. They have a ridiculously good talent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, ever, you ever seen a casino film called The Cooler by Alec aye, Baldwin? I recommend it a few weeks back. Aye, William H. Fu- Missy. Aye, it's a very good thing. Unbelievable. But that that's sort of we were saying about card films and fucking gambling. That's a that's a bloody a darker one. Aye, that shows obviously we brought up a few weeks expect that that shows the an aspect of the poker world or casino world you never actually see about these coolers in america essentially they're people who go over they are called coolers because if somebody's on a hot streak in about casino or whatever they actually have people employed called coolers to go over and try and throw them off their game so the casino fucking doesn't lose all their money just try and like a w- one a hand or whatever even, or just, no, just, or just, even just like and hot gears or, or just get, get in their head kind of it's like yeah Oh jeez, I I couldn't go one in that long. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it is. It's all psychological, and it's a really really interesting film. I think William Hitch Missy was nominated for an Oscar for it, but uh, it's it's a really under. Nobody really knows about it. It's, it's a, a really under. Yeah, you get you get why well, you get uh, Maria Bello in it as well. She's excellent. Though. Yeah, like Baldwin. You get oh, like Baldwin's a right bastard. I, I, I too. keep mixing up. No, Lawrence Fishburne isn't it? I'm mixing that up with Twenty One, aren't I? Aye. I think so. But aye, he's like the head security guy in Twenty One. Aye, he's the white after Kevin Spacey, but aye. There's a couple of other fucking nice fucking names in that film. The color, the color's fucking class. Out of all that, all the fucking those kinds of fucking uh, car counting kind of films, like, mm-hmm. I think the color's probably the, the well, best. No, well, I would say it's the most sophisticated. The, I would that. say the best kind of like poker kind of base film is obviously Maverick. Like. <laughs> you fucking love Maverick. <laughs> Maverick's class. And somehow after fucking thirty-one episodes, I don't think you've brought it up once. It's going, to, it's going to be a recommendation today. Oh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> you need not you, listen you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> do, do I have to patronize you and tell you the Lethal Weapon uh, reference? Oh, jeez, oh, I know it, man. He knows. I, I knew it before uh, I seen Lethal Weapon. That's <laughs> 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 right. It's okay. Well, Ma- Maverick's a grand wee film when he's hanging with hang- <laughs> That's a hangover film. Honestly, fuck right, right. Just look at the fucking career of this fucking director. The Goonies. Superman 1 and 2, All the Lethal Weapons, Maverick, The Omen, even just that and alone, Richard, Richard Donner. fucking Donner, like, what a fucking career that man's had. And like, do you know what? I he's a really serious fucking director. Like, I really don't think he ever got the credit. Does he fucking does the double. No. No. Not, not, even, not even, like, Oscars or not. Aye, it's not like, this boy can fucking make Not even somebody like, fucking makes them. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's the fact that not only has he made consistently He produces fucking, the fucking X-Men too. Yeah. Not only has he made he like, consistently excellent films, but I like... I sound like a journalist, the X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> I sound like a politician, the X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
but he never gets a mention, and it's because of how fucking diverse his films are too. Like they're complete. You got superhero films. You've got fucking you need enough creative fucking body cop films. Well, did did you did Heron not say before though that like he was just kind of like a go to kind of studio director kind of maybe that's why I was, he say, never... I was saying before because you know people sometimes see it as a flaw that maybe he, he doesn't have like this fucking mad style that maybe like no one has or whatever mm-hmm. and all. But like yeah. the fucking. <laughs> Honestly, Dave's style, his style is that anything he handles, he can make fucking really and, good. And yeah. that, <laughs> Surely that's a fucking that's, better style than that any is, other fucker you handle, Dave. Because right. if he were to hand the scrubs, say that he got like, patch a fucking lethal weapon by Christopher Nolan. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Morgan. <laughs> Morgan. <laughs> Pretty thin rigs. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Come on, Boom. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> <laughs> but... I just had the boy, boy sitting there with a zipple on their fucking Gary Bussey's arm. <laughs> this is Mr. Joshua. Boom. <laughs> 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 and they fucking Gary Bussey's eyes. <laughs> that has to be a video that that's has made to be, now. has to be a trailer being made up. Le- I'll, I'll, call, I'll call it before the night, for Monday and we'll make a fucking Christopher Nolan lethal weapon. <laughs> <laughs> Mashup. But like Herman was saying, that's something we talked about before, there are directors who are just they don't have a distinctive style they don't have a distinctive voice they're just really good functional directors who work within their means yeah. get the film shot on time on budget and they just work you know what I mean well, I'm Richard Donner's exactly that I would mind right if it was like oh happy days oh we made this film for a wee, a wee cool 40 million then it makes a nice wee 80 million oh happy days that's a, a, that's a studio director that's fucking Len Weissman or one of them fucking ball bags oh why but what do you call it always hitting on the wise one it's <laughs> <laughs> fucking shite aye, that's why okay, die hard for me Whip. what do you call it but uh, die hard sex that, uh, <laughs> no die hard sex I'm gonna fucking find him uh. but the difference is you know Richard Donner, The Omen, fucking overnight success, fucking oh, lethal weapon, fucking mental success, Superman 1 and 2, serious fucking success, the fucking Goonies, is, people yeah. are still fucking sitting there, and I'll stick a Goonies on every Saturday. You know, hang over film? They're, they're trying to do a sequel to that as well. And, fucking, <laughs> you know, and it's like, Jesus man, what a, he, he is, I think, the forgotten director. Like, the, it's like, Jesus sh- Christ. Surely you can say the Michael Bay of his day. <laughs> God, that is <laughs> such an <laughs> <insult>. <laughs> oh my God. No, nobody can ever say that again <laughs> <laughs> I like Michael and if they do I'll also find them <laughs> he has the night stalker he's got his means I'm right next to yeah. you baby okay um, <laughs> this week I actually think Hera might attack me what, I wasn't going to say what I watched I watched Mordecai <laughs> oh Jesus Christ I haven't seen it, so I can't say anything. Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, shite <laughs> tell us this because I was very tempted last who night who'd thunk who'd thunk I was very tempted last night to watch Aloha simply because I wanted to see how bad it was. It was out of pure curiosity. Did you watch Mordecai for that reason? Yeah, it was just morbid curiosity. <laughs> how, how bad it was. Uh, it's Mordecai curiosity. Just <laughs> I was. I'm, so, I have the the exact same Mordecai curiosity. It's on. Uh, it's on Netflix now. Is the only is reason. Is that Bogan? Well, say if he drank. Has it been added already? Say if he drank. It's on there. It's always a sign of disaster. Honestly, Mike, say if you drank a fucking ten glass and watched it, would you enjoy it? Probably. Right. No, because right. You enjoy anything after a ten glass. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's not fucking. No, well, you're gonna see, love my recommendation this week. <laughs> well, no, he's might hate it, but he's might love it. But I don't care. <laughs> no, you see, I, I feel like a bit of a charlatan as well because I fell asleep about an hour. <laughs> oh, didn't even finish the film. But what I can say about the film now, and w- I haven't watched an hour of it, I may go back to it just 
as for Mordecai Curiosity, which yeah. is amazing, by the way. <laughs> um, it's just very odd. And there there are actually a couple of bits that I thought, oh, that's funny, but I didn't laugh. But uh, <laughs> so the, funny then. <laughs> but the whole like like no, e- even that. even yeah, even yeah. with the trailer, there's a whole thing about like Mordecai's mustache is like his defining feature, and it's new. Like the whole way through the film, everybody's all like, oh, when did you grow that? Like he ne- he doesn't always have a mustache. Like what? his mustache is new. He just grew it like recently. The fact that this is even a plot point though. Hold <laughs> <laughs> on, no, explain explain that. Because I'm lost. Right, he, mu- it's new. What does that mean? Like he just grew the mustache yesterday. You know what I mean? Like, no, well, no, no, like, no, you know what I'm saying. Like they just stuck it on or what? Or? No, it, it's it's a grown mustache, but it's like his wife is angry with him. Like she was away on a trip and she came back. And now he has a mustache. Is he a private detective or something? What the fuck is he? No, he's he's like he's like a black market art dealer kind of thing. Oh, and then this uh, art restorer gets killed while restoring this piece of art, and. Uh, but then there's this whole mystery about, like, what what this piece of art actually is, or what it has on it, or something like that. There's this whole kind of bullshit backstory to it. So they bring in Mordecai. They put out the feelers of the black market art dealing community. It actually, it sounds like something we would write. <laughs> be, be, oh be, God. Be, because if if I have to burn one of my scripts now, lads. <laughs> no, no, you're gonna. <laughs> no, because you you. I've had a about ten since this podcast started. <laughs> Fuck. No, because you McGregor. Was a home run there, boys. You, you McGregor is from MI5. Of course and he is. And <laughs> they're they're is. they're investigating this for some reason. Uh, and Paul uh, Bettany is in it as well. Now. I see. I, well, There's I, an actor who's not enough. I'm just yeah, saying that you can go on with your point. Anyway. Right, so you, you McGregor's MI5. So th- they're saying if they if they start ask, asking questions, nobody's going to answer them. So they bring in Mordecai, who's he's part of the community. They might talk to him and all this bullshit. But the weird thing about the whole film, which I haven't seen, <laughs> <laughs> is everybody's doing a fucking accent. Oh. Johnny Depp's doing an accent. He's Paul doing an accent. Paul Bettany, like everybody's doing an English accent. Paul Bettany is English, but he's doing a different English accent. <laughs> he's doing like a kind of Cockney, kind of gruff, kind of lad. It's like Paul Bettany really isn't that kind of person. Like, like he's, he's trying to be this kind of tough kind of thug. It's like he just doesn't suit it. He's too beautiful I, to be a but, thug. But, but <laughs> couldn't buy him as a thug. Have you seen him in fucking Gangster Number One? I have not. I've Honestly, fuck, man. Right, well, he doesn't pull it off in Mordecai. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. But then... Right. That's a, oh, sorry. That's, that's an, uh, for another week, Gangster number one. Anyway. Right. But then Ewan McGregor is English as well. Yes. Originally Scottish, because you didn't know. And then, right, the next English person that you meet is Paul Whitehouse. And he's Italian. Oh, <laughs> no, Paul Whitehouse is phenomenal at accents. I know, I know, but it's just... so good at It's just like, the, the next English person you meet, and... He's Italian. It's like everyone is doing a yeah. fucking accent. It's not kinda, a good sign. Kind of sounds like an old creative melting pot. If all they put in the melting pot was shit. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. It's like, not a good sign. If, if all you're noticing is actors doing different accents, I, yeah. so you're thinking more about the actors. They're not like you're not in any way involved in the story. Out of Mordecai curiosity, I'm still going to watch it. I know. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll still probably watch the rest of it. Like, now that it's on Netflix, I'm definitely going to give it a go. On it's, e- it's either that or cut myself. Like you know. <laughs> <laughs> either that or, or fucking head off. Angels. I think you should watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Please. I think you should watch the rest of it, Michael. 
We like having you around. We like coming to this gazebo every Friday night. Two more things about work. One, there's a flashback scene involving Johnny Depp, Gwyneth Paltrow, and Hugh McGregor. And they actually did a really good job at de-aging them. And maybe just because they're three very beautiful people anyway, you just have to whack a bit of makeup on them. That's where the money went then. But, no, but it's actually, like, genuinely, like, fuck, that looks like Ewan McGregor from, like, Trainspot or something. Yeah? I know, it's, I, I don't know how, they, like, Johnny Depp just looks young as fuck. It's probably really a combination of makeup and then, like, post-production. I, I, I reckon it's probably mostly makeup, but... Uh, but Johnny Depp's the fine agent, obviously. It's, it's a really quick scene, like, but it's, it's just... What, did you say, like, 20? Yeah, another thing, it just made me realise that Gwyneth Paltrow's quite attractive. Yeah, I've never, never realized that before. No, no it's, it's, see, that's a weird thing. I just like in this and like it's not like she even dresses She's like a foxy chick mix. It's, it's not like she chick. really like dresses like very sexually in the film or anything. I love that. Uh, sexually, you don't think you rolled it in the middle like a canary? <laughs> <laughs> sexually, you went half Scottish. You said you're McGregor. McGregor, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and funnily enough, it's it's you McGregor uh, uh, loves. Gwyneth Paltrow in Morka. There you go. He's trying to steal his wife. Who'd have thunk it? Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, it was just a bit of a weird one. I was like, oh, actually, she's... Out of ten. Oh. Well, you see, I haven't watched the whole film. It could really... Out of, the five the <laughs> <laughs> um, out of five then. for what you've seen. I'll, I'll give it a two. Scott, I'll make an update on that second half. Eh? You sounded like that was generous I, as well. I, that, <laughs> is generous. <laughs> that is a generous two. Right, one final question about this shade film. Uh... Did you give a fuck? That's the main thing. Mm-hmm. With any film. Did you give a fuck? No. <laughs> right, That's your answer. Also, I heard this just chatting with John. I heard this funny anecdote or this funny whatever. Joke, I suppose you were called. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, where are you from? <laughs> Sorry, I've come from the future. <laughs> I think it is common parlance. Joke. Uh, joke, uh, joke, just joke, was, joke is, uh, is that a thing? That is the word. I didn't make that up, did I? No, I didn't make that up. common parlance. That is the joke. Not only do I mispronounce words, I know you just are forgetting words for stuff. She wanted you to hear around the shop. Instead of a mixture of thanks and cheers, you just said, suit. What? Right, Shab, we're, <laughs> we're dying to hear this joke. Oh, no, all it is was that, uh, remember at the start of last year, Helena Bonham Carter and Tom Burton split up, and they were like going with each other for years and stuff. Like I, was, I, I was ready. They were married? Uh, were they mar- I'm not sure if they were, so. but somebody, no, they were married. somebody posted Maniac. in my Facebook feed, they were all, uh, if Tom Burton and Helena Bonham Carter split up, he gets custody of Johnny Depp. <laughs> 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 good, Johnny Depp's good. probably having an emotional breakdown. Like, uh, no, it's right, it's right. He sees Tom on the weekends. It's good. <laughs> I he, like Helena got him because he's in that new Alice in Wonderland thing. Oh, or Alice, Alice through the Looking Glass. But your fucking Birch is fucking directing that shit. No, he's producing. Oh, it's uh, what do you call him? James Bobbin. That's Was that part of the custody deal? Like that he only produces and not directs? No, they're still so, friends. Yeah. They're still friends. Nah, Everybody chill. I think they had a pretty cool, cool like break. You know, like the breakup. I don't think was. I don't know loads about it, but I heard they had a, a quite. Odd marriage. Ah, it's like the sense they lived I, I in like I, I different other, places, the other, same house, different houses and shit. No, it's the same house, but like different wings. Yeah, apparently, there's a lot of people actually find that people find this. People say this is odd and this kind of stuff, but I don't know. I mean, there's some people actually really, really agree with that. Is that they had two different houses, but there was a hall that led. Between no, one yeah, and the other. no. When right, I say oh, we, we just had bed in the middle, the sex hall. But they did, like, I mean, they did. 
staying sometimes and yeah. his place and sometimes her place. Oh, that's, I mean, that's nice. And it's just, but when I, I they were both they were both doing different things and, and working on. Different I know they're both they're both very dis- busy. I don't want you to misunderstand when I said no, odd. No, of like I, it 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 is well, a, just, a strange compared to what the, the I norm just, I is. Exactly but I. Well, obviously they broke up and that sucks. But I mean, they were together for a long time and they, they seemed. Well, we see, like see if it works for them, then why not? Work away, well, like I love as well that we're now turning into like a gossip column. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what, you know what I was upset by Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner. I, I thought, I, I thought, I thought they would have went the distance. I sacked. Mm. I. Aye, I they they broke up a while ago. Who sacked who? I don't know. Amicable. Jesus Christ, let's fucking pack us in right fucking <laughs> now. You're oh, part of the problem, Colin. I'm fucking not. <laughs> no, I realised I was getting sucked under the problem. That's why I asked, can we draw a line of this? What about you? I used to, well, do, a, I used to do a job, right? <laughs> right, and, and Long one, time ago. one of the sections, right? <laughs> oh, right. Well, it was movie pilot, right? Right, what do you call it? But it was like, one of the things is all... Uh, so what do you think, Colm? We do a few sexies this week. Do you want, do you want, do you want a few sexies? And the sexies, apparently, that's what they're called, is, is like, I don't know, Miley Cyrus fucking shoot an ass cheek. Right, uh. how it is. And it, or like a relationship thing. That was called sexies. Now he says they met no harm. I would be fucking useless at that. Like, <laughs> I says, And apparently there was a Gary Carly here, fucking lovely girl, and all, but she was fucking amazing at them. And I just needed really, really well. But I was just like... I've never once done a sexy. <laughs> 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 but that's their call when you're working at a movie party because honestly, the fucking amount of traffic they got. The movie party's a pop, popular site, no, but yeah. the amount of fucking traffic the fucking Pope sexies got was unreal. Like. I thought you said the Pope sexies there for a second. The Pope, Pope is sexy. a sexy man. What would be our top sexy? Head. What would be our top goss? I know. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, uh, Mike, Mike's a bit flustered at the fucking <laughs> mountain you've just Mike, Mike's Mike's got it there. Mike's What's that gossip? No. Front page at the Journal. Colm Heron employed. That's that just that's that's that fucking bullshit tabloid journalism. It's all lies. We're better than that. Heron and Slay goes. Gives a comment. It never happened. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> like a wiser man than me. Said, I didn't cooperate. Facts don't change, pal. You know what I mean? <laughs> what did you watch this week? Just last night because it's still my head. Uh, Fury. We uh, yeah. Brad ah, Pitt and uh, Shia LaBeouf or whatever you call. Him. <laughs> 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 I believe it's LaBeouf. LaBeouf. I bought, believe it's LaBeouf. <laughs> LaBeouf bought in True Grit. Matt Damon's character is called LaBeouf, and it's spelled exactly the same. So and it's well, yank, that, well and, it's, and it's Yanks saying it. Well, so well, that's uh, that's the Coen Brothers fuck up, isn't it? <laughs> I don't want. So I don't want to call it. Shell of beef. Shell of beef. What do you call it? Uh, you get about. Where is this going? <laughs> uh, you get about loose on it. Just, uh, We're just uh, going to uh, get about experimental anyway. with it. Such a Shell of beef. Fury. Um, watched it last night, and it. I don't know. It was just in the mood for. I knew it wasn't. A big, massive, sprawling war film. I knew it was more of a character-specific, mission-to-mission sort of war film. It wasn't like a big, massive, encompassing Normandy fucking thing. Yeah. And that's why I was interested in it. An epic. Ah, it, w- it wasn't necessarily epic. It was just, it was quite novelistic and sort of um, very character-driven. And th- I, I, th- I thought it was fucking very, very good. Hey? Mm-hmm. And... Uh, uh, honestly, the strength of the whole film is the characters and how they establish everybody. And yeah. there's a young character. I fucking forget the actor's name. Who's he's doing? Guy. It's, it's from the guy from uh, Perks know. of <laughs> being a wallflower. <laughs> I'll come. I'll come to me. No, anyway, no, keep no, going. No. Get down to be up there, But uh, but he's in it, and I thought 
they established the whole fucking situation really, really well, and it's it's fucking beautifully shot as well. I think Logan Lerman. Logan Lerman. Logan I, knew, Lerman. I, knew, I knew it was alliterative, but uh, I think the way they shot it, I think they shot it, they shot it digital, but I think they used old like seventy year old lenses, like old telephoto lenses. They shoot it, and it just. It has such a unique quality because it ha- has the richness and the detail that you want, but it still has that old, you know, that old sort of filmic quality to it. It moves properly in, in, in such a way that all the characters get really fucking developed and nicely teased and, and nicely moves on. And I mean, it, it's not about, I've always said about scripts, and I mean, you chatted fucking length about stuff, and I just think that when you write your characters as rich as you can, then you're stories are fucking bottomless the story takes care of itself exactly yeah, it really does and then or when you write to a device or to a story then you're stuck you're so constricted you know what I mean that's the best thing about characters is that if you write rich enough characters you're never stuck it for, is like for material if, like. if you have a good character a good range of characters then your opportunities are, are endless exactly. like a limitless because you, you follow the characters yeah, not the precisely the, the there's one I mean, I mean there's a lot of controversy around like the making of that film and all I know Shia Booth like didn't wash for like fucking weeks on end he, and he stuff. pulled a tooth out or something he or pulled a tooth out his bottom tooth so out in the film he pulled it out because he thought it was right and all and <laughs> what and, uh, but he kept pulled he, out his he, own he tooth his own yeah. tooth and all he just thought it looked apart it was just like but a uh, sort of he thing. has a scar as well he, he made that scar he kept he like cut himself and then kept opening it every couple of days so it's scarred See, I respect meth I can, but then there's just fucking stupidly for me as well like, that's gonna what be was he doing as well I don't like know what I mean like he, he like I mean I, I know everybody else in that film is fucking lethal but oh I, I definitely he's, think he's, he's a breakout he's, character of it I 100% he's, he's fucking unreal he, he's, he, I'm not I'm not I, criticizing the performance I'm just thinking like the, there's a line like I think like they, they lose can across it a couple of times there's a like line they can they can whack a scar on you know yeah, exactly. Yeah. They can pull a scar on you, and it'll look real. You don't have to have an actual scar and fucking disfigure your face. But maybe it. like his method of get, you know, maybe uh, he does need that. that you know, he like needs. He, need, he needed the pain. Have it, you know. He needed uh, the. He needed the history of that. <laughs> did any of you see what he was doing? Like he was screening every film he's films, ever been yeah. in, but you were uh, really just watching him. I didn't watch it. Did I, I never see it. It was like a, a Google box or a Google box. What the fuck is called? It's a version of that, except it was him watching his own films. I was just a live stream looking at him watching his own films. I don't. What like, did he just sit there the whole time? I don't think he or talks he or anything. Entire, no, he just watched his films, and then there was times like he was cringing, times where he was laughing, times where you know. Well, that, I mean, that that's also bizarre. Like fucking fair play to him. I guess I'm not a flag. I'm just cool. like he gives a fuck. The, like, but he, he doesn't he, give a fuck. He, fair did, play he did that weird thing as well, where the whole "I'm not famous anymore" thing. Out of the bag. Yeah. I, but then he actually had an exhibit where he was just he was just sat there, and people could come in and sit across from him, and he was wearing the bag on his head. But then, like. Like people go up and like grab the bag off and all, and then it's just him sitting there staring. I do think, and he I, has like tear marks down his face and all his ear. I was one of those on the, the sort of hip brigade on on top of the booth at the very start. You know, what I mean, especially through Transformers and stuff like that. I just re read and like him, but he's he's one mover in the past couple of years. I think he's one mover because he's obviously a very talented actor, but he's one mover even more in the fact that how how ballsy he is with his choices. He seems like he, he's striving for stuff. He's not yep. trying to fucking do. You know, go down the old beaten path. He's he's going for really really challenging stuff, not just in film, but yeah. you know, like in even music videos, and he's doing uh video installations and shit like that. And you like to see that, like someone I, cut I, loose. I think it is just genuinely what Heron said that he just actually doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. Well, well, it's the thing is right. He doesn't give a fuck about the things that you ought not to give a fuck about, and he gives about he gives a fuck about the things that you should. 
Really? Yeah, he's I mean, obviously very passionate. He's fucking. He's a seriously fucking passionate dude. Like, and you know, it's one of those things about passionate man. It's <laughs> a passionate one, man. One I would say, I mean, I, I'd say it applies to Chris Pratt. You were talking about him earlier, and it applies to Seth Rogen, and it also applies to Shia Booth. It's like people that are fucking good at comedy, like good at comedies and comedy that not not as just comedy for comedy's sake, but comedy because and comedy for comedy's sake is Paul Rudd. I don't think he's like. You know, an overly fucking funny person. I think people hand him good lines and he can deliver yeah, them. Yeah, he's not like instinctive. But somebody that really funny. gives you a fucking character and you're like, oh fuck, I know who that is. Gives you a yeah, Paul Rudd. Like, Paul Rudd, in my opinion, can't do that. I think. I Paul Rudd's kind of always Paul Rudd. Yeah, I really exactly. like Paul Rudd, but he's always he's just exactly. playing himself essentially. But yeah. I'm saying like yeah. Shelley Booth can do it, and fucking Seth Rogen can do it, and fucking Chris Pratt can do it, and I think honestly, I think one of the hardest fucking. Uh, mediums of drama is fucking comedy yep. and if you can do yeah. it and if you can sell a character because the best thing about comedy is when you're selling a joke you're selling the joke you're selling the humanity of the joke it's just like oh fuck I've not even that but you're, you're that selling the world you're really selling the heart of the joke yeah. those boys have all done it and that's really it's like going from the, the bottom of performance which is the heart and then going to the fucking height of it which is fucking comedy which is the hardest it's the biggest fucking leap you can have mm-hmm. and for actors to do that like you know I think those are the guys that can fucking they really understand drama and they understand performance and they understand timing as well yeah and I mean because we've discussed that before and that you know it's easier to do a dramatic performance as opposed to a comedic performance I mean having a, a gift for comedy acting it, it is a gift you know you can't I don't think you can be taught that you can't be taught to be funny you're yeah. just funny and you yeah. have that natural charisma and I definitely get what you're saying that it's the humanity of the joke I do understand that and I think as well that any time a good comedy actor comes and he, he goes under this comedy role any joke that he says is also portraying the life that that character's had because usually your humour is completely reflective of the person that you are Yep. so then it reflects the life that he's had prior to what you've seen in the film and it kind of teaches you more about him or what he's like you know yeah, what I mean yeah that's true now, it, yeah, might be, it might be kind of you know fucking analy- overanalyzing a wee bit too much and thinking you know obviously if he's just doing fucking dick and fart jokes like you're not you're not going to be oh jeez I know what, what does it mean <laughs> but uh, you know it definitely does I, th- I think that it's something that isn't looked at enough, I think, as well, in regards to, like, award ceremonies and even just, like, how films are lauded. Comedies, it, it, there's actually a thing called the comedy ghetto because comedies are really overlooked because they're just seen as easy and silly and they don't really touch right. on the themes or what it is, you know, they, right. to be human or what it is, they kind of be alive or all this shit. Mm-hmm. But I, I think know. really one of the main things about being human is comedy. Humour? Why yeah. humour? Like, How it is. Fuck it's it's that, down? like, old theatrical yeah, kind of, yeah. like, Super smile, super frown. Yeah, like what yeah, you know. That's there's a there's a shot and fury where they leave it a wee bit longer, and it it's a directing decision, and it's probably an acting decision. Is like they make I think they make some sort of joke. It's not it's not the joke that's going through it. It's the best job I ever had because that that seems to be a theme through it that they keep saying that best like job I ever had. But there, there's like a joke. You're a good text. They all say something, whatever. <laughs> Don't know if any of them are text. They just keep the shot, and you're kind of going right. They're obviously keeping this for a reason. They sort of laughed about something. You know, like somebody came up with something. It was, it was like a quib. They come up with something. I can't, I can't exactly remember what the line was. He, come out, he comes out with it, and they all laugh, and they settle for a minute, and then they sort of go along, and the tank's still moving, and the, the camera's mounted to the front of the tank, and then one of them starts laughing it again, and the rest of them start laughing it again, but they, they leave the camera there to capture that second laugh. Somebody going, fuck it. They, they, they saw another side of that joke, and that's yeah. just that's a pure human moment. I was like, that's yeah. fucking brilliant. Really yeah. smart. And the midst of fucking World War Two, that that can still happen, you know. 
but I'll just I'll, I'll wrap up quickly about the Fury. It was, it was the young character. The like young characters are usually portrayed really fucking bad and just really blue blue eyed and kind of whatever. Naive, green as grass. Eh? But they they really I'm not going to say too much because it'll destroy the plot or if you're going to watch it. But uh, they really deal with this guy really really well because it can be if it can be too obvious, it can be too out of just straight out of a fucking pot boiler novel kind of story. And they don't do that. There, there's a three or four really defining scenes of this character, where you see him turn a wee bit, and and it's it's just dealt with quite quite well. Subtly, do uh, you think like well, like the darkness it's overtaking him? I, it's sophisticated. It's not like darkness overtaking him, but but you see the you see the start of something. He doesn't be, he doesn't like become fucking Martin Sheen overnight, like and fucking <laughs> <laughs> But if, you, you see you see the start of it, like just Charlie Sheen. But I mean, <laughs> that's, that's an even scarier. <laughs> he becomes the Chaza. It's Chaza. He's one. But, uh, it's, it's the same thing of, of having Brad Pitt as opposed to what? What's your? What's the guy's name there? Logan Lerman. Logan Lerman. Logan Lerman. Whatever it is. And, uh, Logan Lerman. I have Logan a question about Lerman. that actor. Quickly. Yep. You said he was in. Perks, Perks of a Wallflower. Is he the? He's the main guy. He's the main. The main. Right. Yeah. He's not just your fucking. Kind of the guy he was on let's talk about like kevin, uh, kevin. Uh, Ezra Miller. he's he rocks it he's that excellent. was my question yeah. sorry like, uh, similarly the brad pratt and logan lerman yeah yep. um was another film i watched which I, i've been talking about too much now but uh is uh whiplash mm. you've had a good week <laughs> it's it's i and honestly whiplash is have you any ever seen it yeah Whiplash, nah, Kiwi, I don't think so. You would fucking love it. You would, especially as we used to use the drum, so I think I would have an ad lip. Oh, no, I have seen it about the drummers, or the one guy Miles, who... Miles, yeah. Miles Teller. And Aye. then, like, Juno's daddy. Juno's dead. Why are all your references fucking Juno? Because <laughs> she fancies Ellen. A Perry. Juno. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was bad. <laughs> yeah, I've but, seen uh, it. It's... Good. It, it's it, Jeez. And by by the way, can I just call you? Chat? I used to play drums as well. You dickhead. Oh, fuck, <laughs> sorry, Maggie. <laughs> I was. Well, I, I was playing as well. Sorry, Maggie. I completely forgot. Uh, Sham, I've always seen you as a Sham singer. Must not have thought you were very good then. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, nobody did. <laughs> it's my, bad if you're under me because I was crap. <laughs> my my music teacher actually came and did one of my drum lessons one time and basically asked my drum teacher to stop teaching me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'll be through the sticks. <laughs> no, he, he he came in and just basically told him how bad my music performance was for class, and then you know he was saying like, you know, should it should it go on? <laughs> name and shame. Did, name and shame that guy. Did I he break your spirit? No, I was I was I was fucking ready. He just had to, had the drums harder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. no, because uh, genuinely, like my uh, like my music teacher walked out then, and my drum teacher was all like, "Oh, I'm like, sorry about that." Like he didn't know he was going to come in or anything. He's all, "I'm like, sorry about that." So I was like, "I fuck him," and I just forget. <laughs> I'm beating on these skins. Leave. <laughs> so whiplash is really about you. Hey, fucking. You just had the whiplash experience. Oh, teacher. Leave. I, I have a make. <laughs> I have a skim they beat. <laughs> and then I'm going to well. play these drums. <laughs> but, uh, I know the, the whole the whole film man is fucking. Uh, I, I kind of caught my by surprise a wee bit. I mean, I, I knew it was going to be good and it was going to have a certain quality, but it it really um, I was surprised by the way it was taken and the way, you know. Even Andy's now getting a wee bit 
oh this is how you make it and they i i i got that feeling with some and he's like oh like it's, well it's more particularly the way the trailers put together it's like oh this is how you do it we end the trailer like uh, like I oh the 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 main character uh, down on his luck kind of character he meets uh, this person or does this thing and blah, blah, i felt blah, that for blah. years definitely uh, but i think the, the whole the whole idea of whiplash it comes with this abstract idea that as soon as two people are involved in an artistic project then the project isn't theirs it's it's something outside of them that they're both striving to and ultimately that's what the film's about that's why jk simpson's character uh, jk simmons character says fuck you and that's why what do you call that other fucker <laughs> uh miles taylor <laughs> that's why he called miles uh, sorry, that's pretty fucking rude i don't even know the guy's name but i say miles taylor's character says fuck you the family and his father even though his father's really caring and uh this kind of stuff but that's why they both then they, they say fuck off to each other at the same time but they say fuck off to everybody else at the same time and that's why they're both at each other they try and fucking achieve this thing that is bigger than themselves and yeah. that that is that is the core of the film of not listening to any other, if you have fucking something on your mind they make something fucking great then tell everything and person they fuck off our energy and that's the whole that's the meaning of the film it's almost like an allegory for film again (laughs) (laughs) it's an allegory for For art in general it's an allegory for any creative art form in general pursuit that you have in your fucking life and that's why it's so perfect and that's why it ends with you know it ends with these two guys looking at each other in the eye you know like the the final shot it ends with a fucking it ends the old Sergio Leone shot just the eyes and it cuts to his eyes and cuts to his eyes and whatever and then when it's done it just goes to fucking black man Mm. and it's just they don't end this oh you're actually alright you're actually alright yeah. it just ends on when they fucking finally Those meet that thing of just angel. this is what we were trying to fucking achieve and then it just goes for it and I was just like fuck me that's what the film's about yeah. it it's sounds f- really fucking intense it is intense it's so intense obviously the element was really on it too I totally get what you're saying here as well that when well obviously two people or more people come in at the like a collaborative effort on any sort of artwork be it like you know video installation film music whatever it then doesn't become theirs and that's what i love and the fact that you know that jk simmons and miles taylor's characters too like that really don't like each other it seems that jk simmons character doesn't like anybody at all but there's this begrudging you wouldn't even say mutual respect between each other but there's a mutual respect for the fact that they both want the best for this fucking piece that they're putting together and they both have such a deep love and passion for this piece that they're willing to kind of bury each other because he does obviously see talent in him and mm. it's just it's a it's a it, you're exactly right it's a great thing and it's something that i hadn't really seen before until you mentioned it there now but i think that maybe the main crux the main kind of drive of the film is that obviously the relationship between the two of them the two performances are excellent especially jk simmons but no yeah, he won the oscar for that, he won the he? oscar for that too yeah Miles did Taylor, he? shit out of Captain Fantastic, look. Did he want it? Mr. I, Fantastic. Mr. Fantastic. He's Captain Fantastic. I know, his yeah. brother. <laughs> <laughs> his dad. Uh, does someone's want it, though? He won't lie. Happy days, man. Fuck uh, But, uh, no. Excellent phone. He was out right. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
for me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Okay, we shall go into... Okay, I'll go into my topic first, which is uh, want to get a little bit of country. (laughs) (laughs) Favorite Rudy Wolf. No, my topic is. I just want your opinions on shared universes. Obviously, it's a big thing now with the whole comic book things. Marvel, I pretty much popularized it in the last few years. We're building up their whole cinematic universe. DC's doing one. X-Men with Fox is doing one. Universal's trying to do one with their monsters and all. Yeah. And the the thing that made me think about it is this week, the trailer came out for Captain America Civil War. Yeah. And uh, I watched the trailer. We've all watched the trailer, but I watched it, and by the end of it, I was sad. Oh, lucky. <laughs> Because, and then I, I had this realization, it's because you've had, like, oh, like how many films in Marvel? Done? Like 10 or 11 yeah, or something? Stacks, mate. You, you have all these films <laughs> that has built up all these characters, and now you see them fighting in a trailer, and it just kind of made me sad. It's like, oh, this this is a bit shit. Captain America and Iron Man's fighting. Like. <laughs> so that was the thought that I had. You know, at the very end, I was all, like, really, the whole way through the trailer, I was thinking, you don't have to fight. Don't fight. And mm-hmm. then they're fighting. Nah, the, li- the line for me, because you've seen that relationship built up literally over like about five or six films, but it's when Captain America says about the Winter Soldier, soldier he, like, oh, he was my friend, and then Tony Stark goes, oh, so was I. Yeah. That's the fucking key line. Type. But then after that, you just see fucking Captain America and Bucky bitting the fuck out of Tony Stark. Like, <laughs> Uh, no, proper, Har- proper. Iron Man gets that fucking line a bit of it. I know, but it's proper, like brutal as well. Uh, like it's because it, even the camera work in it, it's just this kind of wide shot of them just both being. Hey, honestly, it's not like fast cuts or anything. Yeah, it's, it's just it's, this it's shot. It's fucking just on the Danny ground. Boyle would shoot Iron Man getting the fuck bit of it. <laughs> <laughs> you can hear his like fucking bones breaking. Like. <laughs> I, you hear him trying to go, <laughs> and they're not even hitting anywhere. Aye. They're slinging off and fucking hitting a balding somewhere else. Like. Aye, like they're, 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 they're just whacking them with a shield because like. if you if you notice they're sharing the shield as well <laughs> but Bucky gets a wee whack him with the shield like. we but crafted the- out <laughs> <laughs> caps is to hold him down hold him down <laughs> hold him down <laughs> Bob he can fly he can fly he can fly he can fly I think he's had enough no 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 a couple more a couple more get him in a headlock and I'll fucking have him a boot in a hole because there's even that shot in the trailer as well where you just see Bucky like up like Grabbing like Tony Stark's kind of like heart thing, the, the actual light that powers his whole suit, and like heart box is we heart box, but like no, we need to find the name for that. <laughs> or so like fucking morons as film reviewers. Like. It's, it's his power cord. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> good. That sounds right. That's not what it's called. I know it's uh, it's uh, wait, no, you after 31 episodes, are you worried about how we sound this fall? <laughs> <laughs> because Mickey's a fucking big fucking Marvel fan, he doesn't know what the fuck it's called. It's, it's so we just call it the element. Aye, 
actually an Iron I Man think two. It is I think called the element. The element. No, he creates a new element. Creates a new element. We'll just call it the fucking heart element or something. Aye, that sounds good. Done. Continue. The light. Right when Bucky's grabbing his heart element, and then like, but you... <laughs> 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 that's ridiculous. No, but you see, is actually like intense face, like actually trying to grab out the the this heart element. Looks like he's had a few lines in him. But uh, no, but like because you know Iron Man, you know what that means. Like if he pulls that out, then Tony Stark dies because mm. that's keeping him alive, just generally, not even just for his suit. And I just had this suit. Real... <laughs> and I just had this realization that this, like, I'm only getting this because I've seen all the Marvel films, and I think this is when having a shared cinematic universe pays off. That yeah. they don't need to start this film by explaining the relationship between Cap and Bucky and Cap and Iron Man and all those different relations. I mean, they have basically every Avenger in it. I mean, like, everyone's in there, like Scarlett Johansson, oh. Jeremy Renner, just everybody's in there. But you really, don't, I didn't see Ren on the in there. I know. He's, well, you see him in the background at one stage. Right. As always. <laughs> like Scar- Scarlet Witch as well is on there. Uh, Pearl Hawk, I really <laughs> I know. I, th- I thought he did a good in Age of Ultron. But anyway. Uh, no. Uh, like, you don't need to explain those relationships because you've already seen them build up. Yeah. And I think when you can go and date a film with all that previous knowledge, you can tell a cracking story from that. Uh, yeah. No, I, I, I totally exactly. agree. Well, as for me, right, and it's probably I'm coming from a, a more TV city, but the first shared universe that I was, you know, ever ever seen was I was a huge fucking Buffy and Angel fan when I was a ween. Yeah. And obviously, when Angel started a couple of series after Buffy, they done a lot of shared universe stuff, and it was really rewarding as somebody who'd seen every episode of both, mm. and it just give you a, a big kick. I know it's it's kind of like an undescribable kick that you wouldn't have if you didn't know about these characters, know about the shit they went through and stuff. <clears throat> it does reward dedicated viewers, but then at yeah. the same time, there's the other side of the coin where it kind of ostracizes people who maybe are just coming on dead fresh and don't know what the fuck is going on. I'm not talking about with Buffy and Angel because uh, yeah, that's yeah. TV series. I'm on about with yeah. the, like, the sort of Marvel cinematic well, show. If, if you take it right back the uh, pop cinema we're going to take it to a slightly, slightly different place but ultimately a popular universe uh, which is the Fast and the Furious. Ah. <laughs> Strike that off All your right, bingo I'll card. Just, I'll, I'll go quick because this is your topic, right? But, uh, yeah, I'll go ahead. I, I remember taking uh, your cousin, Chris, who was on this podcast before. Oh, I did. And I think I've actually described this here before. Yeah. Um, Is when The Rock and Van Diesel are fighting in Fast and Furious 5. And uh, basically, they were beating the fucking line each other. And then Van Diesel is about to get the better of him. Or they're, they're, they're both kind of fairly fucking matched at this point in this fight. And Van Diesel reaches for a range. Like a, a proper wrench, and he's about to fucking hit the rock in the head with it. And then, right, and then his sister shouts Dom, he shouts, shouts Van Diesel's character's name in the film. And if you didn't know uh, why he went to jail before the first Fast and Furious film, you wouldn't know what that's about. Yeah. But when she shouts it, he doesn't hit him in the head with it, he just hits the fucking metal next to him. And if you didn't know what that was about, you know. That scene, I mean, it still has an impact that he decided to do the right thing over just fucking split that way open with a fucking wrench. Like, <laughs> just split that rock in half, anyway. No. In all fairness, a wrench probably would explode. Like, that's <laughs> the rock cannot be on <laughs> But, hey, his head is literally a rock. <laughs> not, not a rock with peaking eyeballs. Just about half. But, uh, I... <laughs> <laughs> Couple of papers. It sounds like some kind of like Chinese food. Peking apple. Just a bag full of teeth and a few papers on her. <laughs> but uh, what do you call it? And it's just it's a it, it doesn't matter if if it's uh, 
it's the it's this Marvel or the Avenger or whatever. It's just it's a matter of you are right though. You definitely get. I think the thing is, but the Fast and Furious thing is like Chris was just like fuck. That's that's a really that's a big moment, and I I just I just said nothing to him. Yeah. Whenever and I explained to him after after we went out of film my friend Pint naturally and uh actually it's not but that's because this here it's a big moment and you can see it's a big moment but i think they deliberated on a wee just a just a wee bit too long to let you know that right there's more to that moment than what yeah you know what i mean and and that's just any cinema watcher in general if you know there's a history there you know if they leave it a second or two too long right there's more to that moment i'll go watch the others Aye. and i think that's there's probably going to be a wee bit of that in civil war like i, I Look at him, Mickey. No, well, I was just going to say what Shan brought up about trying to keep, like, obviously there's a payoff if you know mm-hmm. all the backstory, but then there is a kind of responsibility to try and make it not a standalone film. Aye, yeah, well, I try and make it a standalone yeah. film, like, so if anyone, if someone can just walk in and just watch that film and enjoy it. And from what Heron was saying, like, someone that had just seen that without seeing the other ones, there's still a moment there, but yeah. you get so much more from it if. You yeah, know I, th- the I past. think that's exactly what I was going to say. I think that's how it's done best, and they've done it like in, in Buffy and Angel. I think they've done it pretty well so far in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Is that they have these moments, and when you get that moment from a, a viewing point that you've watched every single film, it's really, really satisfying because it just opens up all these memories of what happened with these characters before, and you start thinking of the previous films, which is always a good thing to refresh your own memory, and it it, it just hits you and embeds in you. But at the same time, what they've done very well is these wee slight moments could also just work seamlessly as a just sort of standard film. You know, yeah. it, it doesn't, it's not glaring. It doesn't stand out. It always has to be subtle because if it does really stand out and you really need prior knowledge to appreciate what has actually happened, then as a, as a, a viewer that's just come in, you're going to be fucking yeah. baffled. You you're going to I mean? run the risk yeah. of yeah. like alienating first time viewers, exactly. which you really mm. don't want to do. That's exactly what the, the fucking money men, especially mm. in a franchise that but big, do not want to do. It's really hard to know because, you know, I, you know, especially, it's, it's really hard to know because the richest characters you look at, I mean, I think they're in a wealth of it in one way because I personally think like when I walk in their film and it's not an establishing story, I'm like automatically going, have it is. Yeah, you know, you've always said that though about the whole origin I, I, thing. I, I, it always because as soon as they start talking about the past, it's automatically more alluring. And any film you watch, like you know, it's automatically going around with the fuck I'm there. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah. It's like sometimes you think, right, you know what? Just leave out the first film and start in the second, and then we we mm. also have this we have this wealth of a first story to refer to. So what Heron is saying, you, tear up the rule book, start <laughs> with a single. <laughs> no, no, but but, but, I, but I think. People think there is this thing where people think, oh, we need, we always need an establishing thing. So you fucking don't. Yeah. You know the 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 fucking talking about the previous film is the fucking juice of it. Like it's just like what the fuck. I'm it doing brings it into reality. But even you referencing it, people right. exactly. it doesn't exist. Like, people, people have seen an origin story. People perk up and go right. This is important. This is, yeah. You know, it's a wee quiet scene that we're shooting up really close. And like, this is important. Brings and out the detective in you. Mm. <laughs> but, <laughs> exactly, detective of the viewer. Exactly. Mm. But you know if mean? there's if. If, if you're talking about like a cinematic universe that they have a film where they refer to that but there are these previous films that actually explain that do you think that still works or you, like do you think it uh, works that there's a film there that someone can go back and watch yeah. that explains what they're talking about well, I think the thing is what happens right is that, is like you know I'll take a really mad example of it right which is the best examples. Under Siege yeah. <laughs> right? right where Steven Seagal comes uh, uh, the reason he's a chef on the fucking boat is because he bit up his fucking his head officer in Panama because he disagreed with what they had to do or something like this here. 
and uh, as he goes on and whatever, the, the only uh, rank he could have in the navy was as a chef. Military chef. Though. Let's not forget. Military <laughs> chef, navy chef, whatever. But so he sells. He sells a gun. No, he doesn't have a gun. But the only, the only he, he won't that's be. How the US te- that's how he That's how he tenderizes his stick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he <it> just. <laughs> but the only rank he could maintain in the navy, uh, officially, was a chef, right? And this went on and on, and, and you know, and and then the whole thing happens then that they realize that you know your man was actually a fucking weapon back in the day. Yeah. But it's it's right. This is the only thing. At the end of the film, you don't realize that. I don't know if I'm beating up the officer. If Tommy Jones as his officer, or he's not. It's never really explained if he is or not. But they definitely know each other from back in the day, and it's just. It's one of these things that there's just that, the the past is always a great thing to fucking add to a character. It really is. Oh. And but what I think is is that with what you don't see uh the past in the Under Siege films, what the Marvel things have at their wealth is that oh what the fuck happened there? What the fuck happened there? Blah, blah, blah. You can be all oh fuck I'd love watch, to see a film that's here. You can be all no well that happens in this other film. Yeah. And you can go watch it and that's what they're trying to create. But, oh no it happens in this. You can watch it and be all happy. Yeah. That's your strength, I think yeah. that's 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 why Marvel's becoming this like fucking a library. It, 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 thing, it bleeds you know? in as well because if you watch it and enjoy it, then you obviously understand then, oh shit, what's happened? I've got all this plethora of films they watch and then that enhances the viewership and enhances the franchise. Um, enhances the comics too. Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, I would love to see that. We bet there. And then yeah. you get Twitter and Facebook and everybody's like, oh, and then the next one's coming out and if there's a big fucking mad thing, I mean, it's just, Everything's so fucking working for that thing at the minute. Like. I think what you're saying about origins as well, and uh, you know, kind of not revealing the backstory and stuff. It's just such an easy narrative tool because it's just general mystique, and not only is it with stories, but it's just that way with life in general. When you first meet somebody and you know nothing about them, they're always more intriguing. They're always more interesting. And then, not they say that when you get to know them, they are not as interesting. Boring. But yeah, poor <laughs> fucker. But, but Shut it, up, Bruce Wayne. <laughs> now your parents are fucking dead. I, Fuck off. But like, it, it is that whole thing about mystique. And if you don't know something about someone and it's kind of alluded in their past, then because it's not being dictated these storyline ways you are making up that story for yourself exactly. you hear about like as, as they call them on like TV tropes noodle incidents where somebody references something that's happened in somebody's past and I brought it up before the reason that Snake Plissken works as such a good character in Escape from New York is they keep telling stories about his past very very uh, briefly and don't kind of go into detail about them but because you're sort of informed that you create this character in your head alone you, you don't have to be shown him mm. you know back in his past shooting up a fucking you know I mean shooting up a whole city or something like that you make that story yourself in your head. It's you such an easy tool. Celebritize them. Yeah, I'll like, say it's the best. I mean, I think every writer always gives on it. I have having to do that. No, every writer always gives on the having to tell you what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, even like on, yeah. you ever see Unforgiven? Don't do that. Mm. Right, it's a, Unforgiven is, is, you know, in lots of ways, like a graphic novel. It really is. Like, they keep talking to me, Clint Eastwood's character. Oh, he did this, he did that, whatever he did. You know, mm. there's always these Chinese whispers about what his character, William Money, did. And then, I think there's... The only time they really give in to it is when he tells... He tells the young kid what happened. And then Morgan Freeman... Uh, uh, Morgan Freeman. Uh, but the young kid says, I heard you fucking killed, like... I, I, I can't remember the exact number, but he says, I heard you killed, like, six men on their own or something. And the kid goes to sleep. Then Morgan Freeman turns around and he says, oh, I heard it, but it was like, nine men. Or, yeah. you know, and he just says, uh, he, no, 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 not that I heard it. He says, no, Morgan Freeman was there because his character is just all, no, if I remember correctly, it was nine men. 
and then Quante Sue's just like, oh, well, you know, I'm not that man no more. You know, he, he doesn't even want to hear it, but it's just, it's the only time it sort of, it tells you that the, the, the story about him keeps going and going and on. And mm. it's, it's, a, it's a great, honestly, Unforgiven's a fucking great film about That's myth and true. about how but Chinese whispers go. Like Picking up on that thing that we were talking about at the start of the podcast, Unforgiven, of course, is an our very famous revisionist western. And it's the same thing in McCabe and Mrs. Muller, even though they deconstructed a wee bit more, is that you hear these rumours about McCabe and the fact they shot a man dead and then this whole bar creates this thing. And that essentially seals his reputation of being a badass and allows him to power then. They build this town. But what I love is as well a few films I've ever seen that then these other people come about and he's obviously not this badass. And it just shows how so easily a rumour becomes a muffin then becomes a legend. You know what I mean? And a rumour that isn't actually true defines someone's whole reputation or personality. And it's the same in just life in but general. It, but it's how easy that a rumour <clears throat> can become a solid foundation. Fact. Yeah. But then how easily it can then be just shattered. There was always like, a... There's always a great phrase that I'd heard is that rumour plus time equals legend. You know what I mean? Like a muff. I mean, it's not even a thing about, I mean, we're going back, sort of, back to McCabe and Miss Miller a wee bit, but, I mean, there's a very good reason why McCabe is on his own, yeah. coming out way, way, way out into the distance where nobody would ever fucking find him. Who really knows who he is. There's a very good reason for yeah, that. Because he's essentially a coward like when it comes down to it. Because essentially there's a lot of people back where he came from. Back east. <laughs> no, but back just east. back. It doesn't matter where he came from, but back where he came from, they know who he really is. Mm-hmm. And none of these people out here know who he is, but they've heard about him. Yeah. And that's just, that's to his advantage. Uh, but at the same time too, it kind of comes down to it that his own actual, you would say, persona that's been designed by this rumour comes back to bite him as well but because he has this sort of reputation of being this tycoon or this badass then they all they automatically think let's not try and do business this boy let's just send three boys to kill him because he can't be fucking dealt with because he's such a badass you know what I mean just to go back to the original topic of shared universes I want to bring up what do you think is some of the shortcomings of having a shared universe like do you, like I, I think specifically we marvel that the fact they decided they incorporate the TV shows as well, that they're technically in the same universe, that that kind of restricts what the TV show can do. And specifically with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that first season, they were basically just making references just to make references. Yeah, like, the they, they would throw in Iron Man, and there was one episode where they started off like cleaning up what Thor did and Thor 2 and stuff like this here. It was just, just stupid fucking references. Is it like, reaching? That's very obvious of what we're talking about there now. You want to go? Um, I, I, well, I, I, I mean, I think th- the whole the whole idea of it is really good, but it just needs to be handled really carefully. Yeah. I, I think, and do you think it, I it mean, can go audiences, too far? No, but I think audiences aren't stupid, right? And the audience can see, like, I mean, the reason Iron Man Two was such a fucking massive failure because the audiences just felt they were being spoon fed the fucking Avengers, like. See, you know what I mean? There was I, like all these characters being spoon fed, and it was just like it was being shoehorned on. They fuck, and it was just like. Where, where this is half a kind of Avengers film and half a Tony Stark film and it's the same thing with fucking the fucking shield thing is, is that it needs to be handled carefully I okay give a wee nod now and again and give a wee cheeky wink and all that there and then maybe have him show up for an episode and that's great but don't you know don't make it so you're just I don't make blatant don't make references. it so you're literally hanging yeah. on the fucking coattails of these big films like because yeah. it's just it's just fucking patronising the, the viewers and Especially 
because these were comics first. Like it, it's like fucking don't be patronizing the people that read the fucking material first, and the people have just have just recently become the viewers of the films because they're like the even as big a fanboys now as the comic version. They've went back and read the comics and all. It's just like don't patronize the fucking viewer, and I think stuff like that patronize the viewers. That's what I'm saying. Expand the universe. I do it because it's great, and you get rewarded for everything you do. In the same way, you know, any novels that are connected and all, and the crime and everything, you get rewarded. But it's just, it's just careful hands, just really, really delicate hands with it. Like, but I, the, sorry, sorry, no. All I was going to say is that that's pretty much what Heron was saying there. I think that the best description of Iron Man Two was it was essentially a two-hour trailer for the Avengers. Yeah. See, what I think is very, very cynical about that is that obviously, <coughs> on some level, every film is a commodity. But that then is going to a ridiculous place where that film not only is such a commodity, it is a overlong advertisement for another film. So instead of using all the time and the hundreds of millions that they spent on Iron Man 2 to actually make a good film for the very, very devoted fan base, like Karen was saying, they just fucking essentially went completely against them and just went, oh, you know what? Here, here's the film that you could see. This is just the build up to it. And that is just such a fucking hand wave at the fans. Like, and hand waves are people who are paying good money to see it. you pay for an ad. Exactly. You know I mean? It is. And you can tell as well that there's no coincidence. The first one's really good. The first one's really good. The third one's really good. And two sticks out like a sore thumb. And it's because, obviously, it was when they were trying to get the Avengers thing on the road. Yeah. And it just... It's so blatantly obvious that they it's didn't care as much about the characters. They didn't care about the I story. Well, I think a lot of people would say it's Marvel's weakest film. Yeah. I think John, John Favreau actually came out a wee while after it was released. He couldn't obviously come out during its yeah. release, but he came out after and says it was a fucking pain in the hole. He actually couldn't he couldn't direct the film. <laughs> Verbatim. Really? <laughs> it was a pain in the hole. I know. He, he said it was, he, he says Marvel had the hooks on him just said, no, we're doing it this way. We, we did this in here. And he's just like, no, well, I'm, I'm kind of, in, in lots of ways, he said, I got the film taken off me. And I don't know whether it was because the film was a failure or because he had argued with him so much, but it's a fucking wild shame because, I mean, Robert Downey Jr. uh, credits himself and Favreau for creating what Tony Stark was. He says the script that they were handed was fucking balls. He says there were so many occasions on on set where they're all just a script straightforward. And they just says they improvise it because they're both they're both used to improvising and John Favreau's school of of drama as improvisation, and so like so much so that I think fucking uh, Robert Downey Jr. was fucking about to hop on hop onto the Hummer or whatever, and he and he he shouts back at Favreau and he says, "Alright, this scene isn't funny enough." Like well, I don't know, read something, and he says, "How about if one of the fucking uh, the army guys throws up a peace sign and you say no gang signs?" And mm. Robert Downey Jr. is <laughs> like, right, "Let's do that," and. Robert Downey was sort of saying he's easy. People might be shocked, but this is that's how loose he is. Is that's how yeah. loose he is. and that's how that's how quick he is and that's how fast he is. About if you feel that song's not working, Favreau, that's how good a director is. He's that funny and he's that improvisational. And he's that good. And he says, and for that reason, uh, Robert Downey Jr. says that me and him created Tony Stark from that. You know, and that's that's, that's like one of the fucking funny. Yeah. That's it's one it's one of the scenes where you really go right. This is fucking Tony Stark. Like, well, that was one of the final films on starting as wave new superhero films. You know what I mean? And I don't think I that it's any coincidence that after the sort of disaster to him because the film was essentially taken off and yeah. they didn't come back for three. You know what I mean? It, it's well, one he, of, it's he, he still was in three. He was happy hoping. Yeah, yeah. I mean, direct them ways. 
I know, I know, but it's, I, I, I still think he, he kept a decent relationship that he was oh, actually yeah. still okay. in. I know, he was, I think he persisted or something like that there. But he would never, he, um, he would never burn the bridge. No, I know. Sure, he's, nice he's, he's doing Jungle Book for <laughs> yeah, a yeah, couldn't burn that bridge. Like, I know, but I think... John, John, John Favreau, sorry, just to kind of go off on one, John Favreau for me, he's he's a really interesting person just to kind of delve into. Yeah. He's he, he's he seems he's a bit of an enigma to me. I, I I would like I think he could be a topic in himself someday. <laughs> no, seriously, because see see we just like looking at the films he's made and watching that TV show, uh, Dinner for Five, mm-hmm. and just some of the stuff he comes out with here, and you just kind of see the way his mind works. Is he's the, he's um, a he's an interesting he's a, cat. He's, 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 a seriously, he's, he's a seriously smart guy. Like. And he's supremely talented as well. Even look at like his, his filmography so far, how he kind of varied this. Like you have Iron Man, you have Elf, you have Swingers. You have three completely, completely different films. That's well, he three. didn't direct Swingers. Actually, sorry, sorry, Made. Yeah, sorry, I meant to say Made. Yeah, when yeah, he wrote Swingers, but yeah. sorry, Made is what I meant to say. Yeah, actually, but three completely different when, films. They, when they were starting out, though, I think the... Uh, he went to Los Angeles and all, and there was a lot of actors hanging around. And all, and apparently there was a bit of a stigma around Vince Vaughn. He says, "Don't hang out with Vaughn. He's a fucking mad bastard." That's kind of thing. You know? <laughs> Would that's that not be the first that, person you'd ring? In? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yep. But whatever he, he says, he can ignore that and whatever. And he got by Jimmy no, knifed. No joke. And he, he huh? uh, oh. That's a, a story for another day. But yeah, uh, 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 I'm, I'm and Vince Vaughn sort of sort of hanging out now on the swingers thing. But they actually, I think they went to Sundance Film Festival and they performed Swingers as a play in order to get it pitched as a script. And not many people oh, do yeah, that, yeah. but they went and done that and whatever. And then I think it was the production company that Doug Lyman works for, or it was Doug Lyman himself. But they picked it up. But Favre wanted to direct it as well. But uh, they they would give him writing and the part, but they wouldn't give him directing. Doesn't trust him as a director because obviously for time and stuff like that, well, it's kind of standard, like really. Um, just just another quick thing about shared universes because we were going a bit long on this topic, but just generally, do you th- when you hear like someone is trying to do a shared universe, like for instance, the like obviously DC is trying to do their comic book universe now and. Fox is doing uh, the X Men universe. They were going to try and cross over with Fantastic Four, but that fell down. <laughs> but uh, Universal's also trying to build up their Monsters universe. Yeah. And so what was you, you were saying? With it, what the fuck's the, the Monsters the universe? Universal monster? I mean, like obviously, Aye, like Universal were really famous in like the twenties and thirties for uh, basically they essentially had ownership of monster movies, like the classic Mummy, Frankenstein. So it's the got the No, no, I think they're trying to reboot. They see they tried a few years back. We was it Wolfman with Benicio Del Toro? Yeah. And that completely bombed. But and I think that stung him a bit, but they, now they're going to try and they, do it they, they announced this week that they're trying to do a mo- uh, mummy film and Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise. is that. attached. Yeah. Yeah. See, I mean, and see, wait, this is the question I was going to ask. When you hear shared universe, like someone's going to try to do their shared universe, really quickly because we're over on this uh, topic, like, do you think, ugh, do we, do we but not have honestly, them or <laughs> no, that's interesting? <laughs> No, but honestly, who else would you, you know, if they're going to try and start a shared universe, who the fuck else would you arrowhead that but Tom Cruise? Like, exactly. <laughs> like, I think see, that's, the, that's the really weird thing. Like, if you just, just all, yes. If you, if, if you just heard, oh, there's a new mummy film, you'd be all, oh, all right, then. Around, fucking pretend to be but but the, the fact that Tom Cruise is attached to it, and Tom Cruise can do whatever the fuck he wants. Like, and, Tom Cruise, and, and the fact that he's even interested in being in it, like, 
you know, does that not yeah. kind of perk no. it up for very, you? Very quickly, yeah. like very quickly for me, I think that it's it's totally down to the content of, of the film we're talking about. I think the mummy as a character has did it horribly. It's kind of like a Captain America thing. How do you modernize the mummy? Because in the last mummy that they done, obviously with you know the, the Brent Fraser and stuff, they kind of used the nathmacy and it was kind of jokey and it was a wee bit comedic whereas the actual original mummy with Boris Karloff back in like 1930 it was supposed to be very serious and the mummy has kind of a ridiculous character and not really threatening yeah. anymore so it's going to be very very tough to reboot that I'm sure yeah. that Jesus they've got all the fucking thinkers and all the ideas men there and they'll be able to pull it off but and Tom Cruise man. Uh, Tom Cruise I, as well but I just I, I just envision the oil mummy you know what I mean I know, I know but I was having a chat with a mucker earlier and I was chatting away about uh we were saying pretty much the exact same things that you were saying, but then it was all. But what about if they turn it into like a fucking Indiana Jones type deal, See, where Tom Cruise is the main man? Did they not try and, and do that thing with the last one, and it kind of half worked? Sorta, but not really. I think I think the third, the first mummy with Brendan Fraser was good. The first mummy's enjoyable, and then you get the uh, Scorpion King with a rock but on it's it. It's not fucking sorta. It's but actually no. I think Chuckley, the Scorpion King made more than. I, but I'm just saying as a quality, like an actual. As a quality film, maybe right. the Scorpion King did actually quite shockingly quite well. But oh. I think Tom Cruise as an action hero in the in the midst of all that fucking splash blocking and the Jonesy kind of world could probably work like because he's yeah. never really done that kind of yeah. part before. Well, he's done that part, but not with his other jacket. Not with his leather jacket and the sand. Okay, and we'll go on to recommendation. <laughs> Good vocal work. Uh, my recommendation. I'm available for all voiceover work, <laughs> including adverts. Spaceballs. Where I have to sell wooden slates to people <laughs> that want roofs. <laughs> Children's parties too, of course. Uh, my recommendation is no I don't work with children <laughs> Heron doesn't work with children he's not allowed you're missing me I'm trying to think of something I can't think of anything <laughs> right. I'm trying to think of something recommendation Shan call uh, my recommendation this week is uh, The Fountain by Darren Aronofsky Shit. but the reason I really like the film is that I don't think it's a really standout film. There's some absolutely unbelievable visuals on it. It's just for me personally because I've always been really interested in that theory or that idea of being reborn as the same sort of version of a person in a different timeline and how you would react and how you would adapt to that life. And it's something that I actually think about a lot. How would I react if I was the same person in the Wild West with the knowledge of you know that was limited back there? Or how would I react if I found myself in a space station tomorrow? You have and too I, much time in your hands. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really don't. But... Uh, <laughs> I just I find that such an interesting concept and I think that Aronofsky nails it really really well in there it's a bit of a personal choice because I don't think it's an outstanding film it looks absolutely fucking sublime in, in some parts and the story can be a wee bit slow and maybe a wee bit I wouldn't say repetitive but a bit of a drag at times but for me I just like it I think it's a very interesting watch if you're into that uh, Kiva uh, why'd you watch no recommendation no. my recommendation <laughs> <laughs> let's start the show over again why'd you watch Kiva <laughs> my recommendation is Cube Ooh. Oh, I fucking oh, love you! So I think I have like a a personal love of no. I have films. a personal. I have a personal love. I I <laughs> have a per, I have no. I love it <laughs> of um films that would work well as stage shows, like mm. uh, or vice versa, stage shows that would work well as films. Um, I think 
Cube is definitely one of them. Like, really, they shot the whole film with one cube, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's supposed to be, like, thousands or hundreds or whatever. Like My maths sucks. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I just thought it was great. Great we watch, especially the soundtrack. They have, like, a very creepy, like, kind of... Do 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 do, which is like a vocal. Do 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 do, like it creepy parts and it creeped me out. Do fuck. <laughs> um, and they have very. I think it's about six six people. I don't know how many yeah, people are in the cube, but they're all very drastically different people with different skills. And you have lovems, you have hatems. It's just a good watch. I recommend Excellent. it. Just a very good. And watch. it's on Netflix. Boom. Double Bunch. recommendation. <laughs> I've sacked my recommendation. It's Cube. <laughs> <laughs> um, Perrin, what's your recommendation? Hannah and her sisters. Lovely stuff. In the voice of Donald Fagel. <laughs> <laughs> but I know how he thought uh, uh, Hannah and her sisters is a Woody Allen film. It's... Geez, every time you watch a Woody Allen film, it just... It's a fucking master class in screenwriting like mm-hmm. you know I mean I, I talk about so many different things about how, how it looks and how the camera moves and this kind of thing and all and you know really what Woody Allen captures is urban New Yorkers mm-hmm. getting about their lives and, and getting about it and not not trying to make any big massive points not trying to stylize anything the best thing about him is is that the big points he makes is within their dialogue. You know, e- each yeah. character has a certain status or something in society, and how they argue within their points is is how he makes his points, and it's just it's it's so skillful. You know, oh, yeah. but I mean, like if you've, I mean, if you've any brothers or sisters, or you know, if you've extended family, if you've anything like that there, or if you've ever been in the in the fucking company of a family you just see it i mean all he's doing is, is he's just you know he's he's turning up he's turning up a channel on one guy and turning up whatever and he's turning it down on another guy and he's just he's really just he's figuring it out from that from from the family round table you know hannah and her sisters is essentially two thanksgivings apart but over that whole year a whole pile of shit happens yeah but they all come back and whatever and they get together but it's just showing how like the statuses of people in the family and the people that extend their family can change in a year and uh, it's so fleeting it's yeah. so fleeting but his dialogue is so good and it's so so insecure that it fucking really gets people people you know because people what he owns output is so fucking mental he puts out like a film a year it's fucking insane but ridiculously prolific Jesus like, yeah. Christ that man can write like some you might know. say insaneous. <laughs> Hence why as well. It's no, Some might. I mean, <laughs> give or take, you know, what what you what sort of work he put on the Oscars, but it's no coincidence that he's, you know, the most nominated screenwriter ever. I think he's got like 19 nominations and he's written like four or five times. So basically, he's the biggest loser. <laughs> That's the way I look at him. But to be nominated. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he would take pride in saying, yeah, one of the biggest losers. And I'm sure he would Mer- Meryl Mer- 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 Streep does that as well. Fucking bitch. But I'm sure... <laughs> Woody Allen would bad. love to write a script I about him being the biggest okay. loser at the Oscars. That's the type of him. He's fucking. 
he's so self-deprecating. He's so in all fairness, everyone in Scrubs is about him being a loser in some way, like I, indirectly. Ah oh man, just I, 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 I can't. It's right. If, right, I'll say, I'll say one more thing quickly. It's like any time when you're sitting in the house and you start to talk to yourself in any sort of way, and you feel like, oh fuck, this is a bit mad. Watch it with the Allen film. You're not mad. Yeah. Okay, my recommendation is Wrist Cutters, a love story. Anyone seen it? Yes. I have certainly seen it. Uh, I. the lines. <laughs> um, it's about this guy who cuts his wrists and he dies. Name is Tom Waits. <laughs> Name is Tom Waits. <laughs> no, it's essentially this this guy kills himself because he broke up with his, with his girlfriend and he's really down in the dumps. And so, he, but then when he dies, he goes to this world where everyone has committed suicide and but they still have all the kind of scars of how they did it so he he has scars on his wrist but then there's like another girl like drowned herself and yeah. she's constantly like gasping for air like you can tell she drowned herself or something it's pretty weird it's a comedy yeah it is it is a comedy <laughs> i guess the farley boys <laughs> and I it actually it. sounds classy no it's, 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 it's a it, be honest like when i first watched it the tom waits thing was the only thing that drew me in but you know what, what did you reckon yourself and i think it, it, it hangs here and there the film it, it's sort of it doesn't yeah, it, it doesn't really hang together as a whole film but no no like, no yeah i i would completely agree like when actually the will arnett character kind of comes in that when it, that's when it kind of fell down for me i just actually like the whole world that they were living in more so than the actual journey they go on uh, if you know what i mean but uh no i just think it's a it's an interesting film though and i, I think it's it's uh it's an interesting watch mm. You fancy a Tom Waits song? Do you bring us out? <laughs> I got pill. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Start us off. Okay, and we'll wrap it up there, folks. Thank you so much for listening. If you like to get in contact with us, you can find us on Facebook, Let's Talk More Movies Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, at Talk More Movies, or you can email us, Let's Talk More Movies at gmail.com. You can also leave us comments, reviews, and subscribe, like us, whatever, on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and also on ACAST where you can get interactive show notes and links. Best place to listen to this. I have been your host, Michael Breslin. Calm Heron's been Calm Heron. Oh, gee. Shankle's been Shankle. Yeah, yeah. Kiva Sweeney has been Sweeney Todd. Good night. Love you guys. Episode 31, baby. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Operator number, please. It's been so many years. She'll remember my old voice while I fight the tears. Hello, hello, there is this Martha. This is old Tom Frost. And I am calling long distance. Don't worry about the cost. It's been 40 years Oh, my own mouth Please recall Meet me out for coffee Where we'll talk about it all And Those were days of roses Poetry and prose and Martha All I had was you and all you ever had
that was me There was no tomorrows We packed away our sorrows And we saved them for a rainy day Well, I feel so much older now And you're much older too How's your husband? How's your kids? You know that I get married too. Lucky that you found someone to make you feel secure. We were all so young and foolish and now we are mature. Those are days of roses. Poetry and prose and Martha, all I had was you and all you ever had with me. There was no tomorrows, packed away our sorrows, and we saved them for a rainy day. And I was always so impulsive. I guess that I still am And all that really mattered then Is that I was a man Guess that I would been together Was never meant to be Martha, Martha I love you, can't you see? Those were days of roses, poetry and prose and Martha. All I had was you and all you ever was me. There was no tomorrows, back to our sorrows, and we saved them for a rainy day. And I remember. Quiet evening, trembling close to you. Beautiful app. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.